And so we're going to, to spend in the next few weeks in the, the earlier parts, earlier chapters uh, of Joshua, some, some encouraging, important narrative uh, there for us. So beginning in Joshua chapter 1 this morning. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are grateful that you have given your word to us, transcribing your very heart to your people. And in this instruction, uh, commission that you have given to this leader, Lord, we hear a word to us as your people. Uh, And we pray that you would help us now as we process and apply this word. We can only do so by the power of your Holy Spirit. So come now, speak to us. Make us attentive and responsive uh, to this word you've given. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Well, 30 feet doesn't sound like a long way, but 30 feet seems like a long way when you're standing on this platform looking down at a swimming pool. And even an Olympic-sized swimming pool looks like a little puddle when you're standing on that 30 feet, 10-meter platform. And I can remember standing on this platform and walking up to the edge, looking over, and then backing away and staying near the back of the platform. And my roommate at the time, Travis, he was behind me, and he he came up the ladder, and he walked right off of it. Didn't even look. Um, I walked up to the edge and then walked back. And there were a few others that were standing with me. And we only had to jump off of this platform once and swim a little ways, and that would be the completion of this class. And so there were other classmates standing along the edge of the pool saying, come on, you can do it. Just get it over with. Jump. Which I thought was easy for them to say, well, they're down there, and I'm hyperventilating at the top of the platform. Uh, Well, Travis, who had already completed his swim and was done with the class, uh, he decided to climb the ladder again. And he gets to the top and he, he turns to me and he says, okay, look at me. You can do this. You will survive. And so he kind of walked with me to the edge. Watch what I do, he says, and proceeds to jump off again. 
Um, I didn't jump off right behind him, but uh, eventually I was able to, uh, to make my way off of this platform. Um, but it took a little prompting, a little encouraging, um, a little reminder that, yes, I would survive, that I could actually do this, that there are those who had gone before me, as an example. Um, and when we read Joshua, we hear these words of Joshua, now the successor to Moses as the leader of the people. He needed some encouragement. He needed some instruction. Uh, he needed to know that, well, that God was with him, that God had his back, as it were. God would go before him uh, with every step that he took. Um, and so as we see, as we, as we consider this word, and even as, as we read all that language of that personal, I am giving, I promised, I will go before you. It, it is God who's the main actor here. God uh, who is working through Joshua uh, and his people. Time to go into the land. Time to put one foot in front of the other. If we had to summarize all of Joshua in one word, it would be land. Uh, taking possession of what God has promised and trusting him to go before his people. So a few things I want us to see from this passage. First, we're going to look at Joshua. Who is this Joshua? Why is it, why is it he that's receiving this instruction um, and able to, to relay these orders from the Lord? And then secondly, uh, just the nature of this instruction, the nature of the commission uh, that's been given to him. Why is that important for us on June 7, 2020, um, that we hear this uh, commission to... General Joshua. So we're going to look at the commander and the commission. Easy words to kind of hang on there. Um, but in Joshua 1, like we've just read, it's not our introduction to Joshua. We've heard his name before as we've read through parts of the Old Testament. Uh, going through Exodus. Exodus 17 is where we, we first hear of Joshua in this battle against the Amalekites. The first battle that Israel faces after they leave Egypt. And here's what it says in Exodus 17. Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek. So we know Joshua is a military leader. He's a warrior. He goes, he's picked men personally to go and fight this battle. He can follow instructions. He's a decision maker. And then just a few verses later, we get a, maybe a little clue about Joshua's importance. It says, then, then the Lord said, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly block out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So it was important for Joshua to remember what had happened at this battle, that there was the power of God who gave them the victory. Uh, Joshua's pretty young at this point, part of that first generation uh, that's leaving Egypt. But he's willing uh, to fight with uh, the people of Israel, with God's armies. And then we move a little bit farther in Exodus 24, and we're shown that Joshua is, is an actual assistant to Moses. He's his right-hand man. Remember with, with Moses, a good share of the elders of Israel, they go up this, this mountain and enjoy a covenant meal with the Lord, a meal that we're going to enjoy, a new covenant meal. In just a few minutes. But he goes with, uh, with these elders, including Aaron. Um, and they go up the mountain and, and at a certain spot, it says, And Moses rose with his assistant Joshua and went up into the mountain of God. So this was the part of the mountain that was engulfed uh, by the very presence of God's glory. Only two human beings 
present with the Lord on top of Mount Sinai, Moses and Joshua. Then we get to Exodus 32. The two of them are coming down the mountains. Remember, with tablets in hand. Here's what we read. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is noise of war in the camp. But he said, this is Moses, it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. So Joshua observes firsthand now the rebellion of the people against God. He watches Moses deliberately uh, intercede for the people. This is, this is all shaping him. This is all feedback into, into Joshua's uh, leadership. And then Numbers 11, uh, we see Moses has to provide some, some correction. Uh, there is some, some prophesying going on in the camp. And, and it says in, Moses, or, excuse me, in Numbers 11, And Joshua the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My Lord Moses, stop them. Joshua thinks, something has to be done here. Moses step in. And then Moses has to remind Joshua that, well, it's the glory of God that comes first. And that this isn't about me. This is about Yahweh, the one who is. He can't be bound by man-made rules. So Joshua continues to learn, continues to grow uh, in his uh, leadership under the, the tutelage of Moses. Um, so we know he's a young military general. Assistant to Moses. And then we get here to, to Joshua chapter 1. Now the successor to Moses. The, the, this book that Moses has been writing, recording the events of Israel's history, where we're already told that this is coming. Again, in Numbers 27, the Lord takes Moses, takes him up on the mountain, says this is where the people are going to go, but you're, you, you won't be buried there. You won't be going into this land. And I want to read these few verses from Numbers 27. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. So now the authority, the leadership of Moses is being transferred to Joshua. Not, not all of it, but this is where it begins here in, in, the, in Numbers. So I was considering this, how unique Moses' leadership is, referred to as the servant of the Lord here in Joshua 1. That, that title only given to Moses throughout Joshua until we get to the very end, the very end of Joshua. He is called the servant of the Lord. So he continues to learn, continues to grow in this position of leadership throughout his life under this, uh, at least beginning, under this, this mentorship, tutelage of Moses. Think how important this is for our own faith journey and our own faith formation. Um, is this not typically how we grow in faith? Because there is one who has gone before us, one that we have, have seen, or one who has come to us and said, you need to follow me. Okay, I, I wanna, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you this way. Um, I think that that's so important in the life of the church. Um, what we need in the church, maybe in a time when so, so often the church is seen as, as a marketplace, almost like you're walking into a big box store like, 
Home Depot or Lowe's. Say, well, I need a little bit of this. I need a little bit of that. I'm going to go over here. And you can walk around that store all morning and still be fairly lost or not you know, really get what you thought you needed. Until someone comes to you and says, oh, that's over here. Well, let me take you that way. We need these, these teachers. Um, not, be, uh, not be constrained by you know, programs and, and, uh, and the things that, that can be offered uh, in the church that, that removes us from that relationship of personal mentorship and teachers uh, in the church, just like Joshua had with Moses. Uh, so the Lord had been, been preparing Joshua, teaching him uh, some important lessons even prior to his uh, commissioning. Think about Paul's experience in the New Testament. We read this in Acts. We could go to any of his letters like Galatians and we see how the Lord had been preparing the apostle even before his conversion. And we know that Paul's conversion from reading in the New Testament is very dramatic. I mean, the Lord takes him and just does a 180 with Paul. And we rightly say, well, this is something only God can do. I mean, this is God's, this is a miracle from the Lord. We certainly see you know, Paul as a trophy of God's grace. But is it any less a gracious work of God as he works in the lives of those he's dedicated to himself at a young age who maybe don't have this dramatic outward experience? I mean, here we see Joshua determined to follow the Lord, the Lord training him, equipping him at Moses' side. Uh, for this for this work. So I, I think it's easy for us to be impressed by the dramatic, um, you know, the, the Paul type of conversions and life changes. But it's equally impressive. And we can be thankful for the grace of God in teaching and preparing His servants from a young age for the very long haul like Joshua. Something else I want us to be reminded of as well, we consider the succession from Moses to Joshua. That this is God, God's plan, God's purpose cannot be thwarted by this change. It's not going to be sidetracked by a change in leadership. We know how scary that can be at times. Changes in leadership. You've seen it in the workplace. You've seen it at local level, national level. If there's a change in leadership, what's going to happen? How is this going to go? Okay, we even see this in the church. Who will be this next you know, elder or deacons, ministry leaders? But the Lord sustains. The, the mission of God's kingdom goes forward even in the midst of this. It can't be thwarted by a change in, in leadership. I think sometimes those transitions, they can be, they can be ugly. There can be factions and, and battles for power. But that's something we don't see here. You know, Joshua's leadership is clear. He was trained by the servant of the Lord, uh, that God will be with him as he was with Moses. So now we know a little bit more about uh, the general, General Joshua, and I want us to see his commission here. You know, we, we hear that common phrase, as the leader goes, so goes the people. What's true for Joshua is true for the people. Uh, must be considered for us as well. And the commission really begins... Right away in verses 2 and 3, it says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them. 
the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Can you imagine what Joshua is thinking at this point? He has been first generation. He has been with the people. He has he's scoped out this promised land. Finally, finally he gets to, to go into this land. At last. You know, no, more, no more time just to think about it and dwell on it. We're not taking a congregational poll here on whether it's a good idea. It's time to move out. And Joshua would be leading the way. Verse 6, You shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. God had given the people the land. They didn't earn the land. They didn't deserve the land. We've seen they didn't even want to go into the land. But God, in His grace, in His kindness, has given them the land. It's already theirs because God has said it's theirs. And that He would take them into this land. But they still had to follow in obedience. They still had to put one foot in front of the other and occupy the land. So here's where we really see this you know, boots on the ground obedience. Israel, Israel needs to follow Joshua, move their feet. You know, we do not deserve, we cannot earn our salvation in any way, our eternal inheritance, the promised land of rest, that, that, that's a gift to us, a gift of God's grace, and yet it is, is received, is exercised through faith. Just like we exercise that muscle, it grows stronger more durable, more resistant to trauma. We exercise our faith and obedience to what God has promised. And thankfully, our, our faith, it's not our faith that saves us. It is Christ who saves us. We don't have faith in our faith. We have faith in Christ. So a brother or sister who has a strong or mature faith is not any more saved than a brother or sister whose faith is just hanging on. Both saved in Christ. So faith is this instrument of salvation given by God's grace. Not something you and I can, can conjure up. Dead hearts and hostility to God cannot trust Him in faith unless He does the work. So our entrance into the land, our eternal inheritance is all of God's grace all of His power on our behalf. Then we get that, that first imperative there. First command, go. Uh, the second is to be strong and courageous. Um, yeah, not the first time Joshua's heard this. And we, you know, we read it three times. Three times in nine verses connects us to what has gone before in this story. Solidifies the commission given to Joshua. Deuteronomy 31. I, I do want to read these verses for you just so you can hear the language. Deuteronomy 31, beginning at verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Does that sound familiar? What we just read. Uh, Joshua was 
the successor appointed by God. Um, And he would need this courage. He would need courage. The people would need courage. They would need to remind each other to be courageous. Now the Lord speaks directly to Joshua, what he had spoken to Moses earlier. Be strong and courageous, confident, alert. And oftentimes in the scriptures, this this phrase, it's used in a variety of ways through God's word, but it's it's connected in, in context with his presence, with his power on behalf of his people. Be strong and courageous in me, in the one who goes before you, in the one who has made promises. So Joshua and the people are to be strong and courageous in the midst of fear for the task that was before them. And this is no small task, let's be honest. To go into a land, to possess a land, that doesn't just happen overnight. They would need courage. They would need confidence for the long haul, putting one step in front of the other. No less true for us, church, no less true for us. Really, the essence of biblical faith. It's our true identity, remembering our true identity. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Who we are in union with Christ. But it's also confidence in the promises that God has made to us. Standing upon those promises. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We're not sure. It's going to unfold tomorrow. We don't, know all the, we don't know all the consequences of putting our foot here, and then here, and then here. But we can be confident because God is already there. He goes before us. And then I think about you know, the things that we can ultimately trust in. What do you have that is completely trustworthy? Who do you know that is completely trustworthy? And maybe you've had that washing machine for years and years. You think, this thing is never going to die. Well, don't hold on to that too tightly. You know, or a, a vehicle or a mower or something like that that just seems to go on and on and on. It will break down eventually. It's only the Lord that is completely trustworthy. He has not, He cannot uh, let you down in any way. Uh, he's the one who causes... His works to be known and remembered. Uh, it was General George S. Patton, not General Joshua, Patton here. Uh, he was the uh, commander of the Army uh, European Theater in World War II. He said, Courage is fear that has said its prayers. Doesn't that sound like Patton? You know, or maybe John Wayne? Courage is fear that said its prayers. Say your prayers and here you go. Time to march. Uh, but for followers of Christ, it is often committing our fears to the Lord in prayer, where we find that courage. That we actually find that ability to, to make a decision, follow a certain course of action, because we've taken our fears to Him. We're going to find that's what, what Joshua needs to do, uh, to fuel his own courage and that of the people. Go into the land, be strong and courageous. And finally there in verses 7 and 8, I'll just read verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. So Joshua is to live in obedience to this word. Talk about it. Think about it. And then do it. 
Leadership may change, the circumstances may change, but it's God's Word that does not change. In the written Word of Moses, the Torah, we see, was already in the hands of Joshua at this point. It's already considered that divine revelation from the Lord. This is the book that would be His, his guide, the book that would set the limitations, the book that would define His mission, what success would look like for the people as they go into the land mission step into the land live faithfully in the land that God has promised but in order to do that in order to flourish in the land meant faithfulness to this word and so it's the word of God that links Joshua to the story I mean, we've read of those portions that help us with that it is the word of God that links us to the story you know, as we as we meditate upon God's word as we think about it talk about how it applies to our lives. That's what moves us carefully to do what it says. Obedience to the Lord, trusting His Word, that is what moves us to action. I think hearing the Word and acting upon the Word, they're very different things, but they are intrinsically connected. Here's what James tells us in chapter 1. But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and, and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So our God is sovereign. He has graciously given us, um, freed us from sin given us an eternal inheritance in Christ. And if we believe that, if that's really true for us, it will inform our thoughts, it will inform our actions. God's Word is our authority. And our faith, however weak or however strong that faith may be, is validated by doing what God says. So He'll give the land. Same power and authority that's directed, that actually directed Moses has commissioned General Joshua now uh, for this task. Uh, as, as this story moves forward, and we'll talk some more about this next few weeks, but there's something else about this commissioning of Joshua that, that just cannot escape us. Uh, in Deuteronomy 17, the Lord speaks to the people again through Moses, and He says in Deuteronomy 17 that a time will come when a king will rule over you. Uh, a king will uh, will rule in the land. And I want you to, to listen to what he says. In Deuteronomy 17, it's the Lord through Moses. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. And it shall be with him. And he shall read it in all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, that he may not turn aside from the commandment either to the right or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. So Joshua is not a king, but the commissioning of Joshua prepares us for what is to come, prepares us for that monarchy, that king who would reign, would lead as God commands. Some of these kings would, 
Many of them would not, as the story continues. But we see in Joshua, in this, this bridge book, the unfolding of God's promises and the reign of the one true king uh, who would not swerve to the right, to the left, would live in perfect obedience to the law of God uh, on our behalf. So as we go to the table now, we're going to celebrate our union with this king, with the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, as we consider how you have prepared Joshua for what you have called him to, the commission that you've given to him, no less a commission to us, Lord, to be strong, to courageous, to put one foot in front of the other in faith, knowing and trusting it is you who goes before us. It is you who lead us, for you have promised. You are a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. And we can rest with all confidence upon your promises, for you are faithful. We thank you that we have the Lord Jesus, our King who has gone before us, who leads us, We look to Him. We trust Him. And now, Lord, as You feed us at Your table, uh, deepen our love and affection for Jesus. Strengthen our our hope uh, for each day and hope for that day in the land of promise and our eternal reign with You, our true King. It's in His name that we pray. Amen.